Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, If we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, my emotional sobriety, hopefully, producer Patrick Newman's emotional sobriety. My attempt hopefully, at it. Yeah, yeah and, and hopefully Alan's. Uh, Alan's, Alan's uh, still out. He's, uh, we're, we're missing him in some of, some of these recordings because uh, he's in the process of moving. And, uh, and, and Patrick, you were just saying that you look forward to having him back because you have questions that you want to ask him about, about how you maintain emotional sobriety through such a stressful time. I don't know of any more stressful time than a big move like they're going through. Oh yeah. When you've got to grow like an extra five arms uh, because you're moving cross country and you know, you yeah, I mean, you're just yeah. going to be spread thin and that's where, uh, what's the expression? The rubber meets the road for uh, yeah. emotional yeah. sobriety. And, it, and, and it's like, it's, it's, yeah, anybody can have a good day on a good day is what I always say. It's like, it's those days that, that are not so good that we, where we get to, to learn and grow. And, uh, and there's just something about uh, those extra buttons that we have, you know, in our relationships that become exposed or more vulnerable or whatever, more uh, whatever, when we, when we uh, go through stresses like that, I see that a lot with people who are uh, uh, couples who are, who are going through renovations in homes or, you know, uh, mm. things like that. It's amazing how just outside stressors will really, really challenge this, but uh, it would I be think you guys were see. a couple of weeks ago, you guys were saying it was like marriage and then moving, right? It was, those are like near right. the tops of the external stressors that really Mo moving or, and I would put, and I would put major either building a house or major renovation of a house in, in those, in those categories. It's like, I've seen, seen those things really, really just pull people apart. And it's like, I've got, I've got a client right now who's in the process of, of moving. Uh, and, uh, and, and she and her, uh, her, and she, they've been in their relationship. She and her boyfriend, I think have been together for maybe three years, something like that. So mm. it's an early, it's an, it's an early challenge, but uh, she's been, she's been in touch. It seems to be doing okay. I thought what we would do today is just something as simple, very simple and practical, and just talk about what inner child work is. When people talk about inner child work, people refer to that a lot in this business and in this work and in this recovery. And, and what I noticed is that a lot of people have different ideas about it. A lot of people have, you know, have misconceptions about it for one thing, I think. And, and, uh, and I think it's worth at least. Uh, so what I would say is it basically in along the lines of the recovery program of take what's helpful, leave what's not. Uh, I would say, I, I, you know, I would like to just kind of put out there what what I think about inner child work, what it has been uh, briefly about what it's been for me and my my uh, recovery, which has been probably the, the most powerful metaphor that I've ever worked with. And um, and what what I th what I think it is, and, and really what I think it isn't. So that uh, and then at least that can be um, uh, grist for the mill in terms of in terms of conversation. If other people have other experiences, we can get some questions in here and we can start talking about that. But oh yeah, well I, I know next to nothing about this, so this will okay. be a, a real yeah. 
Well, so 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 guide me as we go along. Let me know if I'm where I'm where I'm making sense or need to add a little bit of something else in there. So first first of all, what you know, one of the things that I mean, I actually wrote this in my in my first in my very first self published book that I wrote back in the 1900s. Uh, it's called Simple Truth, and it's um, and it's basically that that the way I put that there was finding finding the inner child is not really a problem it's it's the the issue here that you know and I, we talked about you know i talk a lot about changing problem definitions so we have a a workable problem definition and this is a case where we do that too because ultimately what we're looking for is the adult to take care of the child we we all know what it feels like to be a kid in an adult world we you know we often you hear people talk about the imposter syndrome um you know, that sense of I'm, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm 12 years old and everybody else in the conference room here is, you know, is, is, you know, an adult and everybody else I run into is, is an adult. Uh, but I, but I feel like, you know, always, you know, when I, when I was way into that imposter syndrome, you know, as a, as a young therapist, I was always just, I think I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop in the form of somebody just to stand up and go, aha, you know, I see this. You're that's you're not a therapist. You're you're little Tommy Rutledge, you know. And it's like because it felt like I was just kind of pulling something off, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but but that feeling, the, any of those feelings of feeling lost that we feel in in recovery, certainly in early recovery, where we stop using our drug of choice or our behavior of choice, you know, that those desperate feelings, those do actually come from our, what I would refer to as our inner child. And that's, uh, and that's a, that's a good place to start. Cause what we're going to, what we're going to try to do is, is move to a, to what I think of as, as a new definition for the, for being an adult. And my, my definition for being an adult uh, became really right around the time that I that I wrote that book, and it's kind of stayed the same all the way all the way through. Rather than the stereotypical ideas I've had about being a being an adult, uh, having a certain kind of job, or even sometimes dressing certain ways, or cutting my hair a certain way, do you know do do something to uh, pull off that appearance. The in recovery, the the definition became: I am the person who takes care of this inner child. Okay. And the inner child, as, as, let me just put, dis, disclaim this one right away. An inner child is not really, a lot of times people will think, oh, well, that's the playful, funny part of us. You know, it's like, well, I mean, I get that when we could, you know, and metaphors can be changed to mean different things. But ultimately, that's not what inner child work is in therapy. It's uh, uh, people will often say to me because I'm goofy and funny and stuff like that. They'll say, oh, you have such a uh, active inner child. And and if I'm, you know, and I'll just let that go if, I, if I'm just... It's just in passing, but if we're in this you know, conversation about therapy, what I want people to know is that's not true at all. It's like any any of the goofiest, silliest parts of me don't come from that inner child. For me, that's I mean, this is all adult. This is this is all this is all comes from what I've first of all how I learned to to deal with life uh, as I grew up and how I took, learned to take care of myself. But act, actually, that inner child for me, if I actually characterize my inner child. Uh, that's a very quiet part of me. It's very, and it's a place. And, and one of the best ways to describe it is the inner child in therapy uh, represents all of those places developmentally along, along the path that we did not get needs met 
that things happened to us that shouldn't have happened to us or that things didn't happen that we needed to happen. And so there's a, there's, there's a, there are missing pieces or there are pieces that are actually there that shouldn't be there. And what, the way I think about it, sometimes I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell uh, clients, I'll go, and I want you to get overwhelmed, but it's like, we're really talking about children within, not child within. It's like all along the way, if you look, if we just look at developmental psychology, all the things that didn't happen for us, all the things we didn't get, doesn't mean we, we, we whether we're aware of it consciously or not, the, 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 there's a part of that little kid that just kind of, you know, just, just sets up camp and waits, you know, and a lot of times they're waiting and waiting, and waiting. Then what happens is of course we get into re relationships as an adult. And what what happens very often is that, that inner, that, that inner child who feels bad, a lot of times shameful, uh, feels uh, inadequate is, you know, is actually the one who ends up leading us into our relationships and trying to get that part, our, our partner in the relationship to meet those needs that were never met, which is, you know, pretty standard, standard what you hear in couples therapy a lot of times is, and a lot of times what happens with that is that that vulnerable inner child is playing for the, going for the, the, uh, the parent part of that, of that, that partner. And, very often early on in the relationship that that's kind of a positive experience in, in somebody, you know, especially for people who are rescuers, you know, we also, many of us have, have that rescue ability. We do that, but that stuff is going to get old pretty fast after a while too. But also what happens is time goes on is that that vulnerable inner child in the relationship is, is making that play for, for the parent part. This is unconscious. You don't know that you're doing this. It's like, uh, uh they're making a play for that, that, uh, parental the nurturing parent part of the of their partner but then after a while if that gets old what happens is they get they get instead the critical parent uh, this is all from a thing called transactional analysis. That was that was a big thing, big big psychology back in the seventies. It's a, a lot of amazing, wonderful stuff. It's but that that critical parent uh, basically, you know, responds instead. And so what happens is it feels like, oh, my God, you're letting me down. You're disappointing me. Everybody's done this to me. And this is where we see people have transferred, you know, their their childhood pain in, into their relationship. And so th this is this is the setup. I mean, basically for people to do inner child work, because what happens is it turns out if you and I are in a relationship and I'm trying to get you to take care of me, you know, even if I may be unconscious of it or whatever, but I'm but I'm I'm not good at taking care of myself. I know I'm, I'm, I tend to be manipulative to get my needs met because I don't know how to get my needs met directly. You know, eventually, if, at first you may be fine with that and be doing that, and then eventually you get tired of that. What happens, what, what we have to say, what somebody has to tell me is that, that it doesn't matter, Tom, how much Patrick wants to help you, how much he wants to, how much he wants to heal you from what's happened to you in the past. The only person who can do this is you. You know, now what we will say is, is your, uh, your friends and your partner, your, your wife, your, your husband, your, your uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, they can help, but they, they cannot do it for you. It's like, like we, and so this is a place where a lot of times at the beginning of inner child work, people become very disappointed because, because we have to give up that fantasy of rescue that there's going to be somebody comes into, into our relationship. That's going to be the, the thing that is, is the magical cure for all, all that, all the 
ails me, all that has seem, seemingly been so wrong about me. Um, you know, the, you know, and, and you're, 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 you're out, you're out there in Hollywood, you, you know, the, the old Hollywood model, you know, I'm gonna get somebody who's going to, you know, make, make me whole. I would guess Please that's me. probably never worked once in human history. <laughs> I don't think so. It's, it's pretty funny. And, it's, it's, well, it works. It works until it doesn't work. Basically, it's like as long as the, you, know, you get two people who buy into that fantasy. But it's like, yeah, I mean, and I and, and I, you know, I can I can love a good romantic comedy movie as much as the next guy. But the truth is, you know, at the at the, at the wedding scene at the end of those movies, that's just the beginning. You know, it's like, you know, watch the sequel, you know, depending on how, how good the person's agents were and mm -hmm. stuff like that. They're, they're probably out of that relationship and onto another one. And it's, uh, but it's, it's like it was at the, at the time, it feels perfect, you know, not, and to, I, not to digress too much. But uh, did you happen to see that movie Boyhood where they filmed it over no, 10 years? No, I have not seen that. I you heard, heard about it, though, talking right? about that. Yeah. Where they really do kind of chart the relationships coming together and apart and try to do it with the same actors. And, and uh, mm -hmm. anyway, that would be the, uh, the attempt at what you're talking about. You know, let's see what did happens you, after the wedding. Yeah. And, uh, did, yeah. did you like it? Did you like the movie? Yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, it was so beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's just reading about it. It seemed like such a, a massive undertaking. It's yeah. Like, you uh, really just have to, I don't know, commit to it. And I think they, he just found the right people to do this poetic, you know, personal, creative thing with and yeah that's, it was nice well let me see that's okay and that's a good and that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about moving into this kind of work which is to say we're, well, this is about getting realistic it's like this is about this is about me talking taking responsibility for that inner child it's like like um I'll, I will tell, I'll tell this, this, uh, story, uh, that the first time I ever went, the first time I had any introduction to this process at all, I went to a, to a, a week long program, uh, the, a friend of mine, a friend of mine now, I just met him that day, but, but, uh, named Bedford Combs still, still does this work. Uh, and, uh, it's an, an, a week long program with a group of like probably a dozen, dozen people to come together in a group. And, um, the first night they were going to do this visualization and the visualization was you're going to meet your inner child. So, you know, I'd never, I'd never had any experience with this at all whatsoever. So I lay down on the ground and, and on the floor and, and, and close my eyes and start following the inner. And I'm not usually a very vivid, I don't know if you are or not, but I'm not usually somebody who's just like extremely vivid with visualizations and stuff like that. I, I tend to track things more abstractly and conceptually, stuff like that. But th this was a very different experience for me. It's like, and there was this, I remember there was this little path that you're walking down as yourself and then you look ahead and there's a little little kid in my case a little boy and you're supposed to walking toward me and i and, I, and the guided imagery is that i'm supposed to then recognize that it's my inner child well this is where the fun begins and it was weird to me it's like it uh it, it didn't feel fun in other words mm -hmm. it's the in my visualization, my inner child saw me, recognized me, turned around and took off running. And I literally chased him for the entire rest of that visualization. Now, I now, of course, of you and I've talked about how we how we make assumptions about other people to kind of put ourselves down. I at the time, I assumed everybody was having a wonderful experience with their inner child. You know, I don't, I don't to this day know exactly what it was, but it's like I was trying to 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 catch this kid, and then and and never did. 
And so the first thing, first, my experience with the inner child was the inner child was clearly not a fan of me. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's, it's kind of an interesting way to start because a lot of times people will, who are facing inner child work, thinking about inner child work, will say they don't want to do that inner child work because, because they, they have negative feelings about themselves as a child. They'll say they don't, they, they'll say, I hate my, my, my inner child or, or if they're, you know, and if they really are already working on this stuff and getting really honest, what they're going to find is that they're scared to death of this inner child because, and, and, and to be afraid of the inner child makes perfect sense because the inner child, as I've described the inner child is not the playful, wonderful, you know, the one you want to take to the park. The inner child represents all of the unexpressed, unprocessed pain of your life that you have not processed yet. So, right. I mean, like, I was yeah. thinking the, the rawest form of myself, right? Is the yes. Was, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, what I'll tell, like, like I'll, especially people who are parents, and I mean, those of us who aren't parents can still get this too, but, you know, a parent will say to their child, you know, if I could feel this for you, I would uh, feel this pain for you. And what I, what I explained to, what I described to people on the front end of inner child work is, is that you, imagine that you have that child there and that they're full of this pain that needs to be processed. And in this case you can. And so you put your arms around that inner child. And as you, as you, as you embrace that inner child, that's that child melts into your body and you actually go through over a period of time, by the way, not all at once, a process of feeling all of that unresolved hurt. It's like, so of course I'm fucking scared of this, you know, when I don't know much about it and just unconsciously, you know, we have this information. It's like, so I may not know literally what it is, but I do know that this is something that is about going back into my past and feeling things that I have, have really worked hard not to experience before. So, so that's one of the reasons it's like, you know, it's sort of inner child works, not for sissies. It's like, it's like, it's, it's really hard work to, to be able to do that. It's, um, and actually, I'll, I'll I'll slip back to this the story of that week when I was after after I'd done that visualization. The very next day, we were in a, a dialogue. We're doing some therapeutic dialogue with our inner child, and so, so I'm I'm doing both parts of that. And when I what I was surprised to find is that my inner child, one of the things my inner child said to me was was, you know, when I was asking why did you run, he said, I know who you are. And it's like it's it's weird when you have these internal dialogues. You you know you know a whole lot more info, a lot of more information gets gets conveyed in short sentences. But what that meant was at that point I had been sober for may I don't know may, maybe two years tops. It's like I hadn't probably not that long. It's like so what I what I understood in just that one sentence was basically I I I was the asshole alcoholic who had been abandoning him for years. You know, this was not this was this initially was not about what was missing with my parents. We get to that part as we, as we move along. But ultimately, uh, later, I didn't have that insight at the time, but I did get to the place where I understood later that that um, as Robert Subby says, I quote him quite a lot with this. Robert Subby in his book, Lost in the Shuffle, says, as children were victims, as adults were volunteers. And, and in this way, what, what I had found was, um, you know, we all find a way 
to basically continue to abuse or neglect ourselves in similar ways that we were abused or neglected as children, you know, and to, in this case, to, to not respect ourselves. And it's like, and in, in my case, absolutely not take care of myself emotionally or psychologically at all. So, so that, that made, that began to make sense to me at that time. And I began, I began to work toward, toward committing myself to taking care of this inner child. Um, so, and I want to go back. I'm going to, I'm now I'm realizing I kind of want to go back to, to finish, to finish up this little, this little nutshell workshop. I want to go back to that, that story just for a minute. But, but first, what I want to say is, is that if, if people are, are, are interested, people listening are interested in doing some inner child work, the, the way that, uh, the way that I often suggest it is sim very simply to get, uh, get one or two, not a lot, but you can, I mean, you can explore what you need to explore, but, but a, a, a a, a photograph of, of, of a younger version of yourself that you, that you connect to, that you identify with, that you say, okay, that's, that's how I think of myself as I think of myself as a kid. It's like, it may be more than one age. It, it could be, but it's, it's like, you know, don't, don't, don't overthink it is what I would say. And when I, you know, and I still at, at my office, at, at my, at my office, uh, I still actually have the very first one I ever did that for myself with it's uh, and I ask people, I say, put it in a frame. You know, the old fashioned way, but don't, don't just put it on your phone, put it on your phone if you want to also, but put it in a frame. And then one of the, the exercises I give people is just for, you know, say for a few days or maybe up to a week. Uh, if I'm seeing somebody weekly in therapy, I'll say do it between now and next time we meet is just every every day set aside a time like usually in the morning or something like that, where you just it's, it's, it's a it's a brief meditation where you just sit with that photograph. That's it. You just sit there and you just don't say a thing. You know, you listen, you feel, you feel whatever thoughts come to your head. You, and what's going to happen is just all kinds of information is going to start, start flooding in and, and encourage people to journal some after they do that, but to not feel like they have to, to capture everything, but just, just allow them themselves to, you know, and I think this is one of the things that has always frustrated me when I was the client, but I do respect that it's important is things, exercises like this basically slow us down. We want to, we want to hurry up and get to it, you know, especially if it's going to be hurt, feel like it's going to be hurtful. We'll go, let's pull the bandaid off kind of thing. It's like, but the idea is, is, I say do that for a few days at least. And then, and then after that, uh, do, do the same thing, but then begin to talk to, to the child a little bit to say, say what you want to say to the child. Also to, to uh, ask people to listen for what the child has to say to them, because it, it will also, it, the child will also speak uh, in, in some ways for you to know and to journal about all of that, just, uh, just as, as a beginning. Um, and I'll go now I'll go back to, 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 uh, um, bring our little nutshell workshop to a, to a close and say, I was, so I was sitting there toward the end of the week, uh, this week long treatment program I was in, and I'd been talking to my inner child quite a bit. And so, and I, uh, um, so I'm sitting there with my inner child and these two therapists who are with me and my friend, uh, my friend now Bedford, the therapist at the time, he, uh, he, he asked, he, he, he asked me where I would put my inner child. If I was going to put my, if I was going to take my inner child into my body. And I said, right, right. He, my hand, just like it is here, wide open, right in the middle of my chest. It's really in my heart, but it's really right in the center of my chest. And so I said, right here. So he said, okay, put your, put your little boy there. And then he said, I want you to say this sentence to him. 
and he, and he said, he said, tell him I am the parent that you've always been waiting for. At which time I said nothing. It's like, and I, nothing. I have no idea how long this lasted, but I couldn't speak. I mean, it's like I, I even at times tried to say something and I was, I can feel it right now as I'm even saying it. I was, I was speechless. It was, uh, imagine that for me. It's, uh, and so he kept, he repeated it a few times with very patient. I am the, I am the, the, I am the parent that you've always been waiting for, you know, and we process stuff along the ways, which was also, you know, and we'll deal, we ought to deal with this somewhere along the line too, uh, about inner child work and family of origin work is they, they were very kind. They made it very clear that it doesn't mean everything is wrong with your parents. It doesn't mean that you, they didn't give you some things, you know, this, 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 this marker of, I am the parent you've been waiting for is I'm here to take care of what's left over. I'm here to help you with what you need. Now, for some people, that's more stuff than others. And some, and so for some people, it's the first time they've ever had a parent that's going to show up at all. For me, that's not the case. I mean, I, my parents, you know, so I needed that reassurance that, that we weren't, I wasn't there being disloyal or, or dissing my parents mm -hmm. for the work, the, the best, their best efforts to, you know, to, to do what they did, but to, to not that that minimized the, the power of this moment for me. And then finally, I said it, uh, you know, I think very softly, I am the, I am the parent that you've, I am the, the parents you've always been waiting for. And then I pretty much, and I couldn't tell you how long, but it felt like I probably was in the fetal position crying and it's not coming out and everything for about, for about 20 minutes. It's like, but it was like, it was just a very deep, you know, it's not always that dramatic, but it was, it was for me. And I, you know, and it was it, because, and I think it was because I'd never even heard of this work before I had done this, this, and it's like, it, and it's one of the things that convinced me, of course, because of my experience with that, that, that how, how very, how very real it is at, at a deep, deep level. Um, and, and that's, that, that's the, that's the beginning of this stuff. It's, it's like, uh, if you, if you, if you do like to do inner child work, journaling is a beautiful way to do it. Conversations back and forth, writing letters to your child, right. And having your child write letters to you, those kinds of things. But what I want people to know most of all is what I said at the outset, which is, which is, it's, it's really just a way of coming together to become an adult. It's, I call it vertical alignment. It's like, if you, it's me taking care of the child inside of me. If you, if you add a spiritual component to that, if you add a, a, any, any version of God you want to that, then it's God, me, and then my child. And I, you know, what, the way I've always described it is, I don't know why the design would be that way, but apparently if, the, if, if there's a God, then God decided that, that it's better God will deliver the message to me, which is, I'm here for you. I love you. I care for you, you know, and I have to take it the rest of the way. Yeah. You're the proxy. That, yep. I have to take it into my heart and put it there and, uh, learn. And I still, he's, he's still, you know, I don't think in that terms of, of, of that inner child every single day of my life, but it's, it's like, I, I do know that, that I have this particular movement where I, where I have my hand on my chest. Uh, and it is, it is a, a totally reassuring uh, experience for me. And, it's, and it all began with that process. So, that, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a lot of, uh, that's, that's, there's a lot of information missing from, from that. If we're trying to, we're not doing a comprehensive job of inner child, but that's what it's about healing healing the parts of us that are hurt and the truth is 
for anyone who's listening who's scared of that, understand that there's a it's perfectly good reason to be scared of it because it's really scary and and it's painful, but it's painful for a, for a wonderful purpose. You you do come out on the other side. You will emerge from the other side, and you will be more whole because of that. How'd I do? How does that make sense to you? Yeah, you know, I um, my closest firsthand experience with uh, with this inner child work is um, uh, in group uh, at Kaiser. I uh, mm-hmm. had uh, I was asked to sit on the floor and assume the uh, point of view of you know my inner child, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I mean, you know, everybody and went around and did this, and uh, it seemed like people were going to some pretty deep, you know sometimes dark places, but, mm-hmm. you know, there was always like a lot of strong catharsis, it seemed, mm-hmm. you know, yes. as a result of that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, it, I, you know, I love doing the work I, and, I, and my favorite way to do it is to do it in groups. I love, I love the group stuff because you do, you know, if you've been, if you've done those groups, you know, that, you know, if, as long as you're paying attention, you're not healing just when you're doing the work, you're healing when anybody's talking, anybody. Yeah, there's working. a, you know, there's a symbiosis and a kind of like, you know, you're motivated by each other to like really put up with that, you know? Oh, it's, and it's a wonderful, this is a different subject, but it's a, it's a wonderful way of addressing that double standard that we so often have for those of us who are mean to ourselves is that everybody else deserves good things except for me. Yeah. It's like, because one of the things you find yourself doing in those groups is you just, you, I mean, with all of your heart, you root for your friends, you know, Always. you see them going through those, those experiences and you're going, Oh God, this is so beautiful. And you're there to tell them about that afterwards. That's, and that's so good. That it's so important to have witnesses like that, you know? So, so we take, take dinner break and, you know, and somebody at dinner you're going like, I mean, it was like tell, telling you, Oh, it was amazing to watch you do that and really get that, that uh, information back from people. And then the challenge becomes, you know, you're basically you're confronted, if not directly, indirectly with the double standard and go, OK, well, if, if all of these other people deserve this good stuff, I'm really not going to get to be the exception to the rule. You know, it's like it's in what I, you know, what I've said often about deserving. Deserving is not about I've done something wonderful so that I deserve a prize. Deserving just simply means I deserve it as much as the next guy. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's what you get in those groups. You go like we it's so much easier to say we deserve this. That's a good that's a good way to start with with to get to I deserve wonderful good things. Yeah, I, I still think about people that I uh probably only knew, you know, collectively for like the space of an hour or two, you know, but yeah. I still remember those faces. Absolutely. Oh, you it's it's the coolest thing. You learn you get to know people from the inside out. At the end of one of those weeks, I remember I've done several of those in my life, but remember that first one, I was, I, it was amazing. I knew these people so well, but I had no idea what their last names were. I had no idea what, what they drove. I had no idea what jobs they had. I didn't know anything about them. You know, it's like turned out, turned out this one person who, who, who role played my inner child several times. Uh, and I just, it felt, it just felt really close, close to her. It's like, like, uh, she was, she was some high powered attorney, some, in some big city, (laughs) (laughs) sort of seemed like the opposite of me or something, you know, it's, it's like, but it, but it was like, I didn't, I didn't know that part. I got to know who she really was down deep inside. It was cool. I still haven't had the experience of seeing them on a movie poster or the side of a bus, you know, that would be Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> oh yeah, there are people. There. Right. It's like, it's like, oh, I, no, hey, I know you. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. That's that's where confidentiality gets to be difficult for people because they want to say like, I me tell you, I want to tell you who my roommate was. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like uh, uh, I remember when Ringo Starr went went to outed himself as going to Sierra Tucson back in back in those days, and it was it was such it was it was he he was he he I don't know if he did it knowingly or not, but he I think he did the people that were there a great service by him coming out and saying that he had been to treatment and where he had gone to treatment, mm -hmm. because I think that allowed them to be able to say because I'm sure they were all saying anyway that you know oh yeah you know, I, I mean there I was with Ringo. It's, yeah, I mean, if you're a beetle, that like takes it to comic extremes, <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> like a demigod. Yeah. That's right. I'm, so, I'm sorry. And anonymity. I'm, it's going to have to wait. It was Ringo. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, so. <laughs> right. Got it. So. Well, this this was great, Tom. Hey, thank you, Patrick. Appreciate it. All right. You. Take care. Tinge your life. Tinge your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me It ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else so here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me